0: just trying to be really conscientious about sort of maintaining balance yeah, sure. you know in a in a kind of like a very like man-made you know farming is is really a manipulation of nature so we're right. like trying to do the best that we can while while really controlling something this is the real food real people podcast
1: I get to meet so many cool people as I do this podcast. Welcome to this week of the Real Food Real People podcast as a, our journey continues all over Washington state to get to know the real people behind our food. I followed Lowlands Farm on Instagram a while back and Alice with Lowlands messaged me back said, "Hey, thanks for the follow. She is from the same town as me growing up." No idea. So I reached out to her and said, hey, would you be willing to be on the podcast and, and talk about your experience growing up in the farming community that I grew up in, too? I, I didn't know her, obviously. Um, and then now down in Snohomish, where she's farming uh, now, um, doing a really different type of farming and all of the things that she's done in between. She shares her story, pretty fascinating how she got to be where she is now. You're going to enjoy this conversation. Her name is Alice Vanderhoek. Uh, she's the owner of Lowlands Farm, again in Snohomish, and she has a lot of cool insights to share about our food system and about the challenges of farming, big and small, and everything in between. Our sponsors are the Dairy Farmers of Washington. Thank you to them for supporting this podcast. And also remember that it is June, so it's Dairy Month. And uh, lots of focus on things that are happening on dairy farms. Go to wadairy.org to see some pretty cool stories about what's happening on Washington dairy farms. Again, wadairy.org for the Dairy Farmers of Washington website. Also, MANA Insurance Group. A friend of mine from high school owns that company and and connected and wanted to support what we're doing here. So we really appreciate his support and we appreciate what they do at MANA Insurance Group, uh, which is not just picking up the pieces when things go wrong, but having a plan ahead of time and uh, making sure to protect your family's financial future, whether it's, you know, they do home and auto insurance. They do farms, all that kind of stuff. Again, Mana Insurance Group. Check them out online. They have locations here in Washington, as well as down in California and in Arizona. And then also, Washington Red Raspberry supporting the podcast. We appreciate their help uh, to put these episodes out and have these conversations. It's almost uh, red raspberry harvest time around here. That's where I'm at. That's my background. So best of luck to those red raspberry farmers out there. And then uh, Williams as well, Powering Your Clean Energy Future. They support the podcast with a community grant as well. So thank you to all of those folks. Let's go now to Snohomish where we sat down and had a great conversation with Alice Vanderhoek of Lowlands Farm. Mm -hmm. How did you become a farmer
0: wow that's a great question <laughs> right out the gate uh yeah i guess well i grew up in whatcom county um and so farming was always something that was there i think like everyone i had last summer berry job like yeah i've had every job you can think of in the berries mm-hmm. and then in high school i started working on a dairy farm mm-hmm. and that was just like that this is a job you can have as a kid, so yeah. that's what I did. I don't think I ever imagined that farming would be my career or something I would come back to. Um, I think in retrospect, like, the path was very straight But mentally, the path was very winding, so couldn't see it from totally. It feels like very surprising to me, but like looking back, it it was very clear. So I think just that exposure, um, those summer jobs, that kind of like laid the foundation for sort of understanding agriculture. Yeah. Um, Through my education, I studied food and nutrition, Mm -hmm. and so it was like very, very early on in kind of diving into that world that like the idea of having like a mixed vegetable farm and kind of these other areas of agriculture just were really interesting to me. And so it didn't take me too long to kind of dive into that scene. And since then, that's almost all that I've done.
1: So that was like a bachelor's degree thing or was that? Yes,
0: a bachelor's and a master's. Both focused on the same stuff. Yep.
1: Yep. And so you're doing education, education, and then once you got done, yeah. Well, you
0: do? I've been do- I did farming all in the middle of it. Mm. So I started working for a farm. I went to school in Seattle. I started working at the farmers market for a farm vending. As soon as I graduated from with my bachelor's degree, I did an apprenticeship on a farm. I stayed there for two seasons before I went back to school. I like quit. School to farm again, quit farming <laughs> to go back to school again, and then, yeah, ended up doing this. So it's always kind of been what I wanted to do, and it's just taken me time to kind of align the heart and the head and the so, action. So
1: all this farming that you were doing all along yes. before this, which is Lowlands yes, Farm, which we'll get, farm. Yes. We will get to okay, in a minute because I have so many yeah, questions to happy find out. To answer them all. But what kind of farming were you doing Like what? What were you getting your hands dirty with?
0: All vegetable farming. Yeah. So, smaller, I guess, like relatively small scale. Mm -hmm. I've worked on some larger produce farms, relatively larger. Yeah. um, But all produce farming. Yep.
1: And like you said, you were connected with the farmer's market as well. Yeah. So, what, what, in what capacity were you connected? To yeah, that?
0: so my first, I just started shopping at the farmers market. Like as a college student, I was oh. really fascinated. Um, this was a long, this was like twelve years ago now. So, mm-hmm. this was like a new idea to me. I started shopping there. I uh, like my employer i was like working a food service job and my employer at the time was like oh have you heard of this farm like they do this thing called internships and so i immediately was like this is it and in in my like higher education world to me an internship meant like very hard to get, like I need to be prepared. So I was like, I need to get a job working for a farm at the market so I can get this internship to learn how to grow vegetables. So I just applied basically and got this job. And then that really was a gateway for me to meeting like all the farmers who vend at the markets in Seattle. And I was able to create relationships with farmers and really Kind of choose where I wanted to like learn and work, and that was a pretty awesome. I it, like looking back, that was super pivotal because I felt like I got to kind of learn about all these different operations and, and kind of choose a place that felt like a good fit for me. So,
1: and then you decided to strike out on your own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, there's there's like some winding, winding paths <laughs> before that. Yeah, so one of the other farms that operates on this property where I lease, One Leaf Farm, uh, the owner of that business, Rand, really gave me an opportunity to work with her in uh, like a leadership and management capacity. And so I did that for a couple seasons before I went back to school, and um, that's how I landed at this location that was kind of like my introduction to this physical location and really gave me yeah really a a incredible opportunity to really learn like what it takes to run a farm business which i think you just can't know until you do and so i think that was i think everything leading up to that was really important but that was like a, a pivotal so that's how i got to this physical location
1: and then when did the concept come along yeah. I mean, was the physical location first or did you already have kind of the idea
0: in your head yeah, of what that, you wanted to do that's a great question um i think that i've always wanted to farm i think earlier on i felt really overwhelmed by the kind of all of the decision making and like ma- people managing people um yeah it felt like a huge responsibility and that seemed really stressful to me so i was pretty jazzed to work for other people mm-hmm. um and I think that at the time that I felt ready to start my own farm, it's it's kind of a funny thing to think. I I was really just, like, looking for a, a, a moment of, like, just, I want to say, like, rest, but it's not restful. I, like, just wanted to do something for myself for a minute. I had just finished school I had had uh, like another stressful kind of stressful job in between there and I was like I just want to try I'm just gonna like take it easy this season my personality took over like immediately so it's not (laughs) I I haven't taken it easy but I think that it was just I was just looking for that a moment to kind of make my own decisions and like be on my own to kind of just yeah take a step back and then yeah, like I said, it, it's been like a really exponential growth since, since then. But that's kind of what got me here. And I think without that opportunity to like learn the ins and outs of running a business, I, I think I wouldn't have had the like courage or the experience to realize that something that I could do too. So I think that part of it was just like that being a really important opportunity for me.
1: What do you do at Lowlands Farm? So, yeah, talk yeah. about what the farm is.
0: Yeah, so we are about, we we grow on about five acres. We do mixed vegetables and cut flowers. Mm-hmm. We mostly sell through a CSA. So that's okay. Community Supported Agriculture, yeah. which is kind of a, a subscription program. We have a group of members. They purchase their share of the farm in the winter and early spring, and then we deliver a share, a box to them from early June through early November. Mm. And that's kind of the core of what we do. Um, we also sell a little bit wholesale. We have some other outlets that, you know, we sell to a few restaurants, a few florists, mm. kind of some like this and that. But our, our core of our farm is the CSA.
1: No farmer's market? No
0: farmer's market. I know. It's wild. Yeah. After 10 years. I think originally I wanted... I didn't want the, um, I didn't want to work on the weekends or I didn't want something that I had to do on the weekends. I I still work on the weekends, but I don't have to be somewhere at a specific time. And I think I I wanted that break. I think that a lot of the like more established farmers markets are really challenging to get into as a new business. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a process of um, like, Improving your reliability and the quality of your product to kind of get into those spaces. And so in a, in my first year, that just wasn't available to me. And I think, you know, I knew enough about running a business that I didn't want to spend all of the time and energy to sell at a market where I couldn't br- like break even or make a profit. So it right. was, I was like, I'm going to go big or I'm going to do something else. And it right. was like go- going big at the market wasn't possible in that first year. And. Yeah there's always been a CSA operating out like on this farm site and the year that I decided to kind of come back and uh, get growing the opportunity to sort of take on those members became available and so that just I I really like it I like the personal relationships I like how I get to communicate and I really like that I get to kind of control how I maintain those relationships so it was a good fit and then It's just has kind of like grown and grown since then.
1: I think there's something that makes so much sense about a CSA in that you get the money up front. Yeah. Not to be too much about the money. Totally. But that helps you invest real dollars in what you're doing rather than going into debt, which is the traditional farming model is you go into debt and hope you get paid for it in the end.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I think it's really, it really gives our members a chance to, I think people want to know how to help they like want it they want direction on like how to get funneled into support and i think it's a really clear way to say this is how you can help this is what this is a really we're going to set it up for you so that you can support us at this time of year and we can offer you these products at this time of year and i think um yeah my like my members love knowing that like this is what gets gives gets my staff like more work hours like more yeah just like year-round labor it's like what's helping to kind of ease that burden and i think that they appreciate that like reciprocity too
1: well because people want a connection with their food totally and that is a way to do it yeah yeah like, because then they have ownership yeah and the food that they are eating totally putting on the table.
0: totally yeah and i think yeah it, it creates a really direct relationship for sure
1: What about the scaling challenge with that though? Like how big can you go with a CSA? Obviously that's not going to work for probably the majority of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that as a consumer there are unique challenges in getting a box of food delivered to you that you haven't chosen and that you may not know how to eat. I think I kind of think about two things. Like, One is my responsibility to find the customer's that do and can do that. That's my job and how I communicate about what I do in my business. And then my other responsibility is guiding people through that process. And I think that's where some of my education is really helpful. Um, And we put so much work into that, that like guiding relationship. We have so many, we do tons of resources. We are sending them recipes tips, videos, like we're putting together this whole like almost course basically to like help them change and adapt to this like random box of food that they're going to get. Well, and
1: that's Honestly, that's what a lot of people, including myself, need sometimes. Totally. Because I wouldn't go buy X veggies at the store probably, but I have them. So what am I going to do with them? Totally, yeah. And then I learn, hey, I really like these if you prepare them this way or whatever. Yes. Also, I would think your background in nutrition helps because you can give people... A balance of things
0: yeah. that they
1: need in a box yeah depending on what you have at totally given
0: time. yeah and I think I really steer clear of like trying to tell people like what to eat yeah. or like what's good for them yeah. I think that for me the relationship and the like the meaningfulness and connection is what's important to me yeah. and I think that I think if anything I have an understanding of I know what people eat I've like I've had experience where I I just know through the market, through my education, I have a good sense of like how people cook and eat. Right. And so I think that's helpful. And then I also, I think having experience just also cooking and eating at home and studying that, it, yeah, we are trying to put together boxes that are balanced, that are usable, that match what recipes call for and trying to make the kind of user experience really friendly and appropriate
1: so we keep talking about veggies in the abstract what yeah. are they what, what what do you guys have in your boxes what do you like all like
0: everything yeah as much as we can i think that's fun for me it's an yeah. everything's a new challenge we we do a lot of like salad greens bunched greens um all of the root crops like carrots, carrots beets radishes turnips Um, Herbs, we've got in the summer we have like zucchini, cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplants, Mm. peppers, tomatillos. And then it's like winter squash we transition into, or winter we transition into winter squash and like those really hardy roots and yeah. Some of those root
1: crops you can keep in the ground for almost all winter if you get lucky, right? Yes,
0: that's kind of an interesting thing about here is that we're in the floodplain. So our season is pretty truncated by the risk of flood. So we Mm. don't leave, we don't really risk leaving anything in the Mm. ground. So our season kind of has a hard stop for us. I think other, well, you could harvest those things and you could store them in a a cooler or a storage area. But yeah, we're, we always can possibly flood. so we kind of don't try to extend our season too much. We have kind of other, other things that we do to try to keep income coming in in the winter.
1: What about the flowers? Yeah. What, what's that experience been like?
0: Yeah, that's been really cool for me. I think um, like growing up, my family was very practical and mm-hmm. cut flowers like weren't something we had. You know, oh. my mom was an avid gardener, so I, I have had a lot of exposure to, like, uh, like beauty and flowers, but this idea of growing something, like, just to enjoy was really new for me, um, and it's been really, I think, special for me, and in the sense that it's a, a whole new challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, like, farming for 10 years is very long, but that I had been farming for, almost 10 years before I started my farm. So it was like this, this new thing I'd never tried before. So that has been fun, like a great new challenge. And then I think also just the positivity of having something so beautiful around really impacts my work, my staff's work. Um, I think my customers like love having flowers. And so that has been a really cool like component of our farm. And I kind of gave myself a couple of seasons to figure out if that was like a viable, a viable thing to do. And, and we're kind of picking up steam. So that feels fun. Awesome. Yeah. Whatever is like, I love a challenge. I'm like, I'll try a new thing. Let me try. Yeah. (laughs) I want to be, I want to be good at that too. You know? So Uh,
1: how many things can you possibly be good at though?
0: Not, not everything. Yeah. (laughs) It's always worth a try though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause like my dad's a red raspberry grower. He doesn't want to do anything else. Because he's so totally like, laser-focused on totally. his raspberries.
0: Yes, this is definitely like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situation. Yeah. It's like knowing a little bit about a lot of things. And I think, I think for me that is part of where the fun is, is that every season is a chance to, like, learn more about one thing or try to perfect something a little bit more to, like, hit that first, like really dial in that first round of carrots and yeah. it's just, it's always changing. And I think that's really fun for me. I think there's, I think I have so much respect and definitely dream of also just kind of really focusing and being like incredible at one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome.
1: So how, wh- what's the secret to growing amazing <laughs> veggies and flowers? Oh like what, what does it take?
0: Um, that's a great question. I don't know yet. I think probably a lot of uh, determination. I think for me, getting experience in advance of starting my own business is really critical. I think we really. I'm like saying this not as an not as an expert, but I think that we really um, like underestimate the how technical the work is. And it seems like something really easy to get into. And so for me, really understanding and like getting working, getting work experience and sort of developing those technical skills in advance. I think, I think that's really important.
1: So now how long have you been doing Lowlands Farm?
0: This is, I'm headed into my fourth season. Fourth season. season. Yes. And you had
1: 10 years of farming experience before Uh, that. That
0: might also include this.
1: Uh, anyway, how old am i 10 Quite 12 yes. 13 14 years sure. whatever it's yeah, been
0: almost 10 i think yep
1: if you could go back now and tell zero sure. or one year experience you yeah some things to do sure what would you say
0: yeah like wear sunscreen <laughs> protect your back at all costs
1: <laughs> some bad burns yeah, out working in the like field Well, oh, yeah you
0: know yeah i think I think uh respecting my body more like would have would have yeah. been great advice. I think I yeah, I threw myself into it. I wanted to like prove that I could do what anything and I think that yeah, that's just like hard on you. Yeah. I think that, respecting your body, what do you totally. mean? Totally. Like- yeah, Physically like,
1: overexerting?
0: Totally. Yeah, like physically overexerting, like, you know, making sure you're, like, well-nourished, well-hydrated, like wearing sunscreen. Those seem so self-care, basically.
1: Getting enough sleep?
0: Getting enough sleep. Yeah, yeah. all those things, I think. Uh, Taking
1: time off.
0: Take, wow, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> yeah. farmers
1: don't know about that. But no,
0: yeah, I it think, is
1: a self-care important. Totally,
0: thing. I think I really, yeah, I think I can still, I still give myself that same advice. But I, I think that would be a big one is like, uh, like play the long game and and really like, yeah, take care of your body and consider it your greatest tool because it is. And I think, yeah, I really, I really burned out quick early yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, that would be a big one maybe because I'm like feeling that now <laughs> in my thirties, in my yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, how am I going to keep doing this? Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. 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 It is great. <laughs> I, yeah. I also, I also think like something that I, uh, struggle with a lot is like this idea of progress over perfection. And I think that's something I would tell my past self mm-hmm. and my current self is like, just fo- like you're getting better all the time. And like it this, there isn't this moment or this one goal. That's so good think, advice
1: for anybody. Yeah,
0: I know. Like I said, That's I'm good. like, yeah. this is a, a constant mantra, but I think it, at that point I felt like there was like this, this thing I was going to achieve.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the destination that you're waiting to arrive <laughs>
0: yeah, at? Yeah. 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 And there isn't really one.
1: So it's the journey and yeah. making sure that you're progressing while you
0: Totally. You're doing. Totally. yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: What about with the dirt and the plants and the actual like farming practices and stuff? What, sure. what would you go back and tell yourself 10 plus years ago?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, everything I'm thinking is like take notes. Yeah. You know like these obser- things I tell my crew now like pay attention to what's going on around you like look at the cycles of what's happening like take really good notes like be observant, ask questions. I think that you know, one of the, one of the really cool things about like working for another person is you have all of their experience to, to draw on and sort of learn from. And I think like in my, in me trying to like race and be the fastest transplanter, I like probably wasn't (laughs) soaking in everything I could have. I think like, yeah, just being like taking good notes, being observant, some of those things I think, um, yeah, I think. There's a
1: lot of science, but there's some art oh, yeah. to it. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm a lot more in the art category, I yeah. think. I think the science feels, it feels like um, I want to solve the math problem, and it's such a, you know, it's such a big math problem yeah. that I'm so overwhelmed about getting the right answer that then nothing happens, and so I, I, I have to kind of just make decisions, and so sometimes it, it becomes more art, mm-hmm. just just because it's complicated. Yeah.
1: You're jogging my memory to random things in my brain (laughs) because I'm not a numbers math person. I'm a verbal. Yeah, yeah. And so I always struggled with that. But one thing I do remember from probably some algebra class was, which was about the farthest I went in math, I never got into all the calculus and stuff that just makes my brain explode. But like the matrix concept, not the movie, but just a simple mathematical matrix comes back to my mind all the time when you're dealing with something with all these different variables and that's farming right totally your soil your nutrients your bugs timing weather physical skill of how you (laughs) put stuff in the ground totally and it's like this whole matrix with all these numbers that represent variables and you change one of them and the whole equation changes yes yes and then figuring out it's and that's the part where what you're saying, I'm yes. totally tracking with because yes. that part is so overwhelming it to me. It is.
0: Yeah. It is overwhelming. And in the moment, it's like there's a, the sort of decision fatigue in the moment is real. And then again, it's like that I'm growing a hundred different things. So that's yeah. wild. But yeah, it, yeah. Do you just kind of like keep, keep doing what you're doing because you have the momentum or do you like pivot and then you're thinking, I think about how that affects all of the people, you know, Mm -hmm. and, like, all my crew, and, yeah, it's, there's a lot of decisions, and, yeah, sometimes in the moment, it's, it's the art and not the science. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just progress, because you won't get that matrix decision-making perfect. There's no way. Yeah, exactly. It's just too, it's too complex.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, it is complicated.
1: So, of all the stuff that you grow, what's your favorite?
0: Oh, that's a, I don't know. I think.
1: What is the most delicious? Thing that comes off of your farm
0: well that's really <laughs> subjective <laughs> in your opinion in sure your opinion. I don't know I don't really know I there's so many things I love growing for different reasons like how it grows how I harvest it how it tastes I've been on a really like a big bok choy kick mm. that's been like just a joy to grow and mm. harvest um but I think maybe it's like hard to beat like a cherry tomato or a fresh carrot. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Things like the things people really like to eat are like fun things to grow. Yeah.
1: Where can people get your stuff if they want to?
0: Yeah. Well, we're sold out for this season for the CSA. Yes. For the CSA.
1: And then as far as you just sell surplus to like
0: yeah wholesale
1: or whatever yeah
0: so we i'm a part of our local like farmer member owned cooperative and so that our co-op um offers the csa so i have certain crops that i grow for that csa um some of the additional things that we have go to like other box programs um a few of a few like a random customer. Well, they're not random, but yeah. a few additional customers. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah, not a lot of other kind of retail opportunities to find us, but yeah. besides our CSA and the our co-op CSA.
1: Do you envision yourself getting bigger and doing more of that?
0: Uh yeah. Yes. I see Always I bigger. see your face light. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I th- I, I e- yes. Absolutely. I think my early seasons growing vegetables felt like kind of, I really wanted this experience of something small, I think sort of like in response to like growing up around big farms. And I think as I mature and sort of understand, yeah, just the complexities of farming that like how I don't know, our food system a little bit more. I I definitely, I've also had the, I've seen other businesses grow, not necessarily farms, and I've yeah. seen how that can really, uh, like, offer better jobs to people. And mm-hmm. I think that my I definitely want to grow p- mostly because I think, I, I really want to cultivate a farm that allows my staff to move into, like, leadership roles and it feels like some of that happens with growth right like as you grow there's more opportunities to kind of dial in what you're doing or learn something new or take on leadership be a lead and so I think I think that there's elements of that that are possible at the size that I'm at now but I definitely envision growing and I yeah I love working in the field and I I really struggle to get myself out of there, but I also really like running my business. And so I think as I continue to do that, I I I want a business to run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you have five-ish acres. Yes. Now, if you, I mean, ideally, what would you, what would sure. you, what would your dream be? 10 yeah. acres, I mean, I'm not, 50 acres? No, like I'm not, what?
0: not that big, maybe like 20 or yeah. 20, yeah. 20 or 30. I don't know. Things, things change all the time. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it seems like our customers really like what we're doing. Um, we haven't struggled to sell our food and flowers the last couple seasons. So I think as more space growing space becomes available, we'll kind of keep creeping, keep trying to grow appropriately.
1: Yeah. And being able to produce more probably opens more doors to different buyers that you can sell to, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think there's obviously efficiencies of scale. Um, and so we we really sell everything pretty much retail because we're growing at a scale where we need to get retail or retail prices. Right. So I think yeah, as you grow a little bit, you have the opportunity to get to move into some of those like larger Larger buyers or some of the wholesale. Yeah,
1: because some of those bigger buyers will be like, "Well, okay, we'll do that, but you need to guarantee that you're going to have carrots for me, (laughs) you know, twice a week for this much time, and I need this much for all these stores." And it's like, "That's more than we can do."
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I think once you start getting into, you know, grocery and some of those bigger things, that that's even a much that's even a sometimes bigger scale, and you know, it's important that you're really well set up for like food safety and distribution and you know yep. there's some kind of some of these bigger infrastructure things that come with scaling yep. to that size too.
1: How do you deal with some of that stuff at the scale you're at now? Yeah. Like, How do you deal with you know because I talk with farmers you know farmers that are farming on a much bigger scale and they have just mountains of paperwork to deal yeah. with and they're <laughs> they want to you know have a clean product but yeah. at the same time they're like feel like they're drowning
0: sure totally yeah that's a good question i mean we're we're really small and there's like some of the requirements are tiered based on your size and yeah there's a lot of information on that i'm not an expert yeah um i think what i found for me is that uh like often the record keeping required for different certifications actually helps me stay more organized Mm -hmm. um because otherwise i'm just a lot more frazzled and it also gives like crew some some guidelines to follow kind of explicitly which is great um but yeah we you saw it <laughs> the listeners haven't seen it we were able to get a grant for a uh shipping container that we use as a wash station and so um,
1: and office
0: and yeah kind of office yes uh we we built that out to meet like food safety recommendations, we can clean it really well. We can close it up. Um, yeah. And we, we're just doing the best we can. We, we want our food to be safe for consumers too.
1: So at your level, what kind of certifications do you need to have? Like, are you all organic?
0: Oh yeah. No, we're not. Yeah. And we grow organically. Um, Mm -hmm. but we're not organic. Um, our, yeah, I find that having a direct relationship with our customers is, um, they trust us and we share how we grow everything. And so we haven't gone that extra step of, of being certified.
1: Why not? If, if you're already kind of following organic practices, why wouldn't you do the certification?
0: Yeah. That's I know a, it's
1: not free. Totally. For one.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's less about, I think it's less about the cost. I think some of it is like, just, it's another thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The business management side is not something I'm always like prioritizing. So no. some of it's just that I just haven't done it. Yeah, I think I farm in a sh- like a shared farming site too. And I think, yeah, like we share equipment and there's just others, other things going on. And so it, it feels simpler to, to be able to just share with people what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely, it's definitely on my radar. Yeah. It's definitely something I would do or could do. Yeah. yeah.
1: I also hear from conventional farmers that they would love to be able to, you know, have a, it sounds bad, I guess, but like a better story about the food that they grow because it's close to organic, but sure. they still need the flexibility every once in a while they use a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Sure. They don't do very much at all. Sure. But that, Excludes them from having that kind of all or nothing label.
0: Totally, yeah. I think there's definitely an element of that. I I don't know that we necessarily fall in. We're following practices, but I I do think it can take away your ability to use the best tool. You know, in certain situations for certain kinds of farms, I I totally see that. It can kind of yeah. You don't. You can't use the best tool at the time for your kind of limited to these certain guidelines but yeah for for me I think it's probably mostly just a it's just a a me thing.
1: (laughs) What about other stuff? I mean because there are a lot of different boxes even at your size like you said the the levels of regulation are tiered based you know a bigger operation is probably going to have more rules to follow. Yeah. Which I you know can be a really good thing for small farms to be able to do what they need to do but you still have to you know, check quite a few boxes sure. probably to be doing this.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's like food safety regulations. And yeah. I'm sure you know of FISMA and GAP. And yeah. so, you know, they're rolling those rules out and asking. There's different dates of compliance, but yeah, we're we we are, like, doing what we need to do yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. yeah i think one thing that i think is that my experience working on like larger farms in like a like a fruit cannery or is that what that's what they call it i'm i'm sweet. we
1: called it when i was a yeah, kid i
0: feel like that's what i called it yeah. we we were following really really strict food safety right like guidelines and yeah. like testing and measuring and um checking things all the time and I think having that as as part of my farming experience puts me in a in a good place to understand and kind of have some experience with that.
1: So why small small farming like what you do? Sure. Why why are you passionate about that level or versus you know if you love farming I mean you could come back to Whatcom County and like work on a bigger (laughs) farm. Sure. But you're passionate. I can tell about yeah. this. I wanna. I wanna hone into like what. What are the values? Yeah. That 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 drives that.
0: Sure. Yeah. I. I do. I love what I do. Yeah. I love it a lot. I think. Uh. Yeah. I don't want to say that there's like one right size. I think this yeah. is the size of farm that I'm at now. Um. And I think for me, what really drives me are people, and that you know maybe earlier on in my farming career it was like really like environmental sustainability or then yeah. it was like feeding people and i think yeah. now i i really just care about people and so for me at this size like part of it is like how, how well can i manage people like what's a crew that i can maintain like what's a customer base that i feel like i can connect with and some of it is like just like we're this size because of certain resources that are limited. And I think, yeah, I think I really, I guess, yeah, that's a great question.
1: (laughs) Well, go back to, I mean, you mentioned that maybe it's not as much of like the number one thing, but environmental sustainability. Talk about that. What, how does that affect what you're doing here?
0: Totally. Yeah. I think like I think part of what got me interested in like mixed vegetable farming was this idea of yeah how, how we're caring for resources. And I think that my work experiences leading up to my own farm have taught me a lot about soil management and um, a lot of environmental different kind of strategies. And so that's super important to me, like the impact that I'm having. Physically in the world, yeah. um, and and how how I'm choosing to make decisions about this place is is really important.
1: Yeah, you're like right on the Sluice yeah. River. Or like, yeah. What is this here? What it's
0: called Lake Beecher.
1: Lake Beecher. Cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. It when when the river, we're, the Snohomish River, is right behind us. Mm-hmm. So when that water gets high. It backflows and fills this lake, but otherwise it's fed by, um, like a natural, natural. I think an, like some sort of Art Ar- whatever that's called. An artesian well, one yes. of those, yeah. Yes. Yep. Crazy. Yep. And then the rivers right here, yeah, we're we're right in it.
1: So you said your season earlier. You were talking about your season gets truncated yes. by flood season. Yeah. So does the the farm itself actually flood here?
0: Yeah, this whole entire farm will go underwater
1: like where we're sitting here?
0: Yes, by several feet.
1: Have you seen it that deep?
0: Yes. I've So could- like No, no, no. Uh yeah, like- maybe like 2 2 feet in this area? Yeah. yeah. The crazy. high ground over there is the only, you know, it's the only high ground.
1: And that's crazy cuz I feel like we're up on a hill a little bit from down in there where the yes. lake is. Yeah. It yes. gets deep out there. It then. does
0: get deep out there. Yeah it's wild
1: does it wash some of your stuff away like how do you you have your like hoop houses yeah so those
0: are totally underwater um we plan on it we know kind of what our earliest possible flood date is and so we're getting everything out of the field there are some high areas um they call it like a critter pad which is basically like an elevated area historically Mm. that's where you'd put your critters when it was flooding but that's where equipment goes so two seasons ago we had a flood event two weeks earlier than ever before so that was frazzling but normally we consider October 31st to be our earliest flood date so yeah I were like pulling a pulling materials out of the field. We're prepping for it. Um, We're ready if it it comes. And then we can flood any time over the winter, really until early April. And, you know, the farm isn't totally flat, so the water doesn't cover the whole farm exactly the same. There's low zones and there's higher areas. So I'm trying to plan where my fall crops are Mm. to be in my highest area in case I get a small flood I can still leave things in the field and harvest so that's another element in the matrix
1: well and you're close to the river you have this lake here so you're surrounded by like wetlands and wildlife habitat how does that play into how you farm
0: sure yeah I mean I think that we're we're always trying to be conscientious of um, yeah how we're kind of interacting with what's around us, um, what we choose, like what we use for our pests and how, like the fertilizer that we use, like what, just trying to be really conscientious about sort of maintaining balance, yeah, sure. you know, in a, in a kind of like a very like man made, you know, farming is, is really a manipulation of nature. So we're right. like trying to do the best that we can while, while really controlling something,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. There's no way to really raise enough food to feed people without manipulating nature somehow.
0: Yeah, like we couldn't
1: just like forage it
0: like seems wild like animals and, <laughs> and really
1: survive with the number of people that we have in this country yeah. on this planet right now. Yeah, so, I don't know
0: enough about and I don't know enough about that to to. Yeah, I would guess, but yeah. <laughs> well, to
1: stay on this environmental sustainability sure, thing, sure. And we were talking about the very specific stuff, like right yeah. here. But to go totally to the other end, and sure. like climate change and all sure. of that, how does that inform your farming and your
0: your yeah. thoughts on the food system? Sure. Well, I guess like in a much like long, me personally, in like a longer term thinking, I guess I uh, it feels like things. The weather feels different from year to year. Yeah. You know, we're we're in the middle of a 70 degree day in May, we've been irrigating since April. That's like wild. Yeah. Um, I think I used to really, I used to really think that farming required like this idea of like being in one place for your lifetime. And I think that some of it is I just hold farming much looser. And like, I I feel like my farm is is me and my customers, and my crew, and my idea, and much less, like, this spot, and I think that part of that is, like, part of that is just access to land, and part of that is is recognizing that, like, things can, things may change over time.
1: And what about, like, the carbon impacts of what you do, or what in some cases, what you don't do because you are very like close to the consumer, small farm focus. Yeah, you're focused on soil health, things like that. Yeah,
0: that I hope plays we have into a low that impact. like
1: <laughs> big big picture climate totally. change stuff too.
0: Totally. Yeah, I think that we we have the opportunity to to you know make positive change, and mm-hmm. you know hopefully we're caring for our soil well. We're keeping our food close to us. Um, Yeah. We're using, trying to make smart decisions about like what inputs we bring into the farm. And that's, that's not just like fertilizer. That's like the materials that we're using, Mm -hmm. kind of everything. And yeah, trying to have a, a positive impact. Yeah. The,
1: the one I really struggle with is plastic.
0: Yeah, it's everywhere.
1: Because <laughs> it's like, it can do a lot of amazing things yes. and can help you grow organically and it can help with soil health totally. and all these things. But at the same time, it's like, I really would rather use a lot less plastic. Totally. Yeah. So what's
0: yeah. appropriate and what's sure. not. Sure. Yeah. And I think like in a broader sense, like, like just more broadly, These are like the kinds of conversations that I'm trying to have with my crew or with my consumers. Like an example of this is we used to pack our CSA boxes in wax, waxed boxes. They're Mm -hmm. durable and members could return them and we could use them again. In COVID, we were like, you know, we don't really want to get anything back. You can just keep that. and we just use cardboard boxes and all of our members have been asking like, when are we going back to the reusable boxes? And I'm like, well, so technically like they aren't recyclable and we can't really sanitize them. And it takes a lot less human time to like build these cardboard boxes and there's Mm -hmm. these like little efficiencies. And so uh, there's so many decisions that are really nuanced. Plastic is another example. Like, well, we may put plastic over this bed and then we don't have to weed. So that's right. like we're using this one thing, but we're saving our bodies and I'm like yeah. I'm able to offer like offer a better job. A, yeah. a job with when, less weeding yeah. is a better job. And you don't yeah,
1: you don't have to either use an herbicide, whether it's conventional or organic. Sure, sure. And you also don't have to do as much tillage, which is also sure. not good for soil.
0: Totally. Health. And so some of it is just yeah. such a trade off. It is, yeah. I think every decision, I, I am really like, I think maybe to a fault, like try to be really intentional and thoughtful about the decisions that I make. And I think that like we, I think like knowing your grower and hopefully trusting them is like a, is, is great. Cause then hopefully you have a values alignment and, and you mm-hmm. just trust that they're making the best decision for the situation. Um, but some things are it's really hard to know I don't I don't think that there's like a yeah it's really hard to know
1: my personal opinion on some of that is that close to home local locally grown food that ideal kind of there's lots of good things that you can accomplish right yeah but to me that's like always the top of the list
0: yeah that even
1: if it doesn't maybe check this box or that box, does it check that one?
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, of course, like, like, of course I support that. You know, that's like, I'm building a business off of people valuing that opportunity yeah. and relationship, but like you can put the other hat on and be like, well, like just right across the mountains, like all these crops grow better with less inputs and like, right. what's the The drive across versus like the extra labor and greenhouses I I have to build to grow tomatoes and Mm -hmm. like literally every, you know, you can, you can really get into the weeds on every decision. And I think at some, at some point you really have to trust that you, you know, progress over perfection, that you're, you know, getting better all the time and that you're making the best decision that you can in the moment.
1: Maybe that's because my sometimes in the in the local food scene they talk about like the radius.
0: Yeah, like yeah. how
1: far away food your food came from. And in my mind I keep that a bit bigger I think yeah. than some people do. Sure. Like there's some people it feels like they need all their food to come within 5 miles. Sure. And that's only possible for a few people. Some people yeah. it's more like 50 miles. Yeah. To me it's like more the state in the sure. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. If not yeah closer.
0: yeah i think i like some what you're saying is also kind of making me think of this uh, like an, a whole nother element of this which is sort of like food access yeah and how like again uh i like i'm running a small farm i like i believe in in local food i believe in growing things like sustainably I'm also producing a product that isn't accessible to everyone, yeah. and by kind of assigning like morality to one thing versus yeah. another, we're sort of adding to this this complex issue of like food access and
1: yeah. and yeah. If, if our food like it's great that it's local and organic and all these other ideals like we were just talking yes. about, but if that makes it so bougie, sure, <laughs> for lack sure. of a better term, or so expensive that a lot of people can't afford it then are we really well, like making big sh- large scale change
0: yeah or or i guess like maybe the way that we this is like i don't you know this is something a thing i think about this isn't a thing i have like a thesis on but i guess i i wonder you know sometimes if the way that we're talking about it is harmful hmm. if we're if we're if we're saying that like you know i think My food has to be more expensive because of how I'm growing it and how I pay Mm. people and the scale that I'm at, like, that's kind of a fact. But by saying that somehow that it's better than something else and then, Mm. I I don't know, I think it gets really, I think it gets really complicated and I, that's like the word I use for everything I don't understand. But I, well, that's I, a good point, yeah. and, and
1: I always come back to this, and I apologize to people who listen to the podcast who hear me always bring it back to this because there are a lot of different versions of this, but the simplest one is the organic versus non, sure. which we've kind of touched on sure. earlier from you know different facets of that issue. Yeah. But there's one where, like, is something good or bad, black yeah. or white, yeah, that oversimplifies it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cozy. It's cozy to say things are yes or no and the reality is that we we live in the middle
1: and from what you just said which sparked something in my brain which is that by by default if you say something is great my product is good my product is better you're naturally saying something else is worse maybe that's true maybe that's not but i think that's kind of what you're saying is it's one thing to be positive about something it's another thing to be disparaging about something else. Totally. Sometimes it's appropriate to be disparaging. Totally. Yeah. Of, but of other course. times it's like no, like we're pumped about doing this. Yeah. But maybe somebody else does something different.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah, I I guess I just yeah, I guess I don't I don't have like the perfect words to put to it, but I I just think like it it creates I just to me, it creates like a a social issue, a food access issue, like, uh, yeah, a a social justice issue to say that these that these certain things are are just objectively better and like morally right and that they're only available to certain people. So we got Mm -hmm. to either like fix the system or not tell some people that, like, they can't access yeah. this this thing that is, like, you know, the right thing, yeah. you know? And
1: who's all been involved in that decision of what's the right thing? I mean, sure. even with the, the strong movement right now towards, like, racial equality and yes. social justice on yes. that level, how many of those various diverse communities have been involved in even developing what that vision or ideal is?
0: Sure. Well, I think that they have been. Yeah, and I think that we don't always hear, we don't always um, be intentional about listening to their voices. I think that in my experience, um, I've learned so much from like BIPOC farmers, and even have have really been like humbled to realize that a lot of how I farm the business model that i have the farming practices that i use like those have been brought to us and kind of like cultivated by those communities and so i think like i do think a big answer is looking to our communities of color like for answers to these questions i think yeah
1: diverse cultures food is like a cornerstone of culture Mm -hmm. like it's art it's nourishment it's yeah. something that you know families gather around and yes there is this certain you know anglo way of you know that's been kind of like well this is the in america or in sure. the, in, in the west this is how we see what's good for food Well sure. let other cultural perspectives inform that and there's going to be different values and then that's going to affect how how you're farming totally. like we were talking about before we we started recording like bugs and food yeah You know, we have this cultural idea that there should never ever be a bug anywhere yes. near food but the reality is there's bugs that live around where your food is grown totally and so what length is it appropriate to go to to eradicate every last
0: totally gnat yeah.
1: that might have landed on some food totally and someone from a different country a different cultural background may totally value that differently.
0: Sure, yeah, I think that we kind of have that we kind of have an obsession with things being perfect and I think like we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot from folks who like yeah, I I don't quite know like how to say, it. but yeah, like we want things to be so perfect and there's so mm. much value in like living in in progress yeah. just like what I was saying or like under like having some understanding for the co- complexity of like what what is pest management and like this is the complexity of it and um, what yeah like a perf what is a perfect vegetable and yeah. what does that cost exactly you know and so I think yeah there's yeah we really I I struggle with this I want to I want everything to look perfect mm-hmm and i would like to have the perfect answer but the value really comes in not having that and like working through that process
1: and how much of that value is a product of you know your cultural background the political philosophy of you know the system that you've lived in and your family back generations has lived in it all led to that value being there
0: sure yeah yeah and
1: it Not everyone came from that same background. I guess that's been the eye-opening thing for me that's been really healthy as the focus has shifted to those important conversations. Sure. To think, oh, yeah, there's so many things I take for granted, but why? Sure. And I think it's really important around food.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So what's next? Okay. I Uh, mean, we we (laughs) talked about what you're... Sure. Your dreams are to but, sure. but what do the next few years hold? What yeah, that's what are, a great what moves are you gonna make?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, I'm I'm open I'm open to a lot of different ways that the next few years can look. I think I have kind of maxed out the area that I'm leasing here. So you know, one option is just continuing to, to kind of hone in on what we're doing and, and getting yeah. more efficient and, and kind of really yeah really like doing a really great job at this size and and another option could be finding a different place somewhere a little bit bigger i think land ownership isn't in my near future and and i think i've really changed my opinion about whether or not i need to do that so yeah a potential move maybe staying i think i am i really have been enjoying kind of putting together this education piece for my customers and so that kind of feels like a really fun a fun kind of road to go down so I think we'll continue to be creating new resources and fun things for them for sure
1: well thank you for growing delicious food beautiful flowers yeah and being out here and making it happen
0: of course yeah obviously
1: you've had to make (laughs) some sacrifices to make this all work
0: yeah yeah of course yep Yeah, but I also choose this, you know, Mm I, I, I have a lot of options available to me and, and this is what I've chosen. And I think, yeah, for me, I, I can often fall into like, you know, really like getting, getting into it about like how hard it is and like, doesn't anyone understand? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, I, I pick this every day I choose to do this and, and I really love it.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with us.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food.